Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real tech advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Welcome to this special episode of Work Party as part of our budget broadcast series in partnership with You Need a Budget, designed to demonstrate the power of building a budget. Whether it's starting a business, saving for a trip, or taking control of your finances once and for all, a budget of all sizes can be accomplished through those dreams. And while the word budget can be scary or intimidating, You Need a Budget, or YNAB, likes to think of it more as a spending plan. YNAB began as a spreadsheet and has since grown into a leading personal finance platform that has helped hundreds of thousands of people take control of their finances, including my guests today. Today, I'm joined by Ashley Brooke, the founder of design and lifestyle blog, Ashley Brooke Designs, for our third and final episode of the Work Party and Why Not Budget broadcast series. Not only is she dedicated to all things fashion, beauty, home, and DIY on the blog, she's also passionate about budgeting and loves teaching her audience on how to find fun and joy in managing their finances. So in this episode of Work Party and Why Not Budget broadcast series, I'm sitting down with Ashley to chat about her money mindset, how to overcome common obstacles, manage money stress, and budget for fun, not for fear. So let's get right into it. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you. Thanks, Jacqueline, for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Awesome. So your blog has been so inspirational to readers who are interested in design and turning their passion into a profession. But for those who may not know you, can you give a quick introduction, share the inspiration behind your blog, and tell everyone what you do? Yeah, of course. I've actually been blogging since the very early days of 2008, 2009. Um, I started a blog when I started a stationary company right out of college. I have uh, a degree in interior design. And in 2009, it was kind of rendered useless uh, with the market crashing. So I kind of had to start something from scratch. And I had read a book that said, if you want to start a business, you might want to start a blog. And this was back, 
gosh, I was on blogspot.com. So that was like, feels like a hundred years ago. So I started the business and the blog on the very same day. And I started a stationary company using a lot of the tools I learned from design school and started a stationary company and the blog same day and started to third-party market myself through the blog. So I would talk about all the things I loved, uh, beauty, fashion, lifestyle, all that stuff. And then one day a week, I would talk about my products. And it's so funny. It just kind of snowballed effect after that. Within a year, it was my full-time job. The stationary company was. And then uh, when I met my husband, it's so funny. He was like, you are blogging five days a week. Why are you not monetizing this? And I was kind of like, well, I am because people are buying my products. And at that point we had a large retail situation happening. We were selling wholesale, all the stuff. And I was like, oh, but I am because the blog is, you know, having people come over to the site and purchase. And he was like, well, we should put some muscle behind the blog and see what it can do. So I'm so grateful he did that. (laughs) And a couple of years later, we sold off the product side of the business. And now I'm a lifestyle blogger full time. So I'm really, really grateful. And uh, yeah, so and all of that was possible through budgeting. (laughs) Amazing. And look, don't knock the blog spot. I had a blog spot. Uh, Yeah, the best generation blog spot right here. So (laughs) most people don't associate the word fun or joy with finances and budgeting, but you and your husband, Ryan, enjoy this process of managing your money. So how did you get to that place and what inspired this passion for money management? So it's really funny. I feel like it's kind of one of those things I grew up with, to be honest with you. I lucked out by finding Ryan. (laughs) He was also very interested in it, but Growing up, I feel like we were budgeting with our first allowance. We had my sister and I, I have a sister who's two years younger than me. And we each had these jar of peanut butter, like a GIF jar, like completely cleaned out. And it had four envelopes in it. So it had um, a savings envelope, a charity envelope, it had a um, spending envelope, and then one for our dog, Daisy at the time. So we would get $5 for doing all of our chores at the end of the week, which it was more, I think, not about getting like money for chores. It was more of like learning how to manage the money, if that makes sense. And so we had to put a dollar into Daisy's fund, a dollar into spending, $2 into savings, and then $1 into charity and tithing. So I feel like it was kind of one of those things we did at like growing up as a family. And it just kind of stuck with me because if we wanted to be, if we were out and about, you know, as kids, you're like, oh, I want that toy or whatever we'd have to go back and see if we had enough money in our spending envelope. And then if we did, we'd have to write it down and stick it in the envelope. It'd have to wait a week. And then we could decide if we still wanted it a week later, which is so funny because honestly, often you'd have moved on to something else, like a different Polly Pocket. <laughs> it was one of those things that I'm really grateful my parents did growing up. And it, honestly, it stuck with me. I have a really hard time to this day making impulse purchases. And I think it's because <laughs> I was like trained to do that. So yeah, I feel like it's been something I've done since I was pretty young. But again, I mess up all the time. So this is not like, of course, you know, so many great lessons wrapped up in that little exercise, like besides saving, having charitable donations, understanding the value of a dollar for work, you know, kind of setting up for, you know, like to your point, impulse purchases and knowing how to handle that and really being able to take a step back. Go parents. We love this I know. as an exercise. <laughs> so great. But 
I do think oftentimes that's the foundation of where people get their money learnings from is from their family or from these exercises that they did when they were younger. So as you've grown up and started running your own business and blog and things like that, what tips, tools, and resources have you sort of picked up along the way? I think with budgeting, it's more of like, not only is, you know, having a software and really like focusing and doing it correctly, but it's also kind of like gut check that you're doing every month or a couple times a week of checking in. But for me, it's more about goal setting and being able to take actionable steps that you can see every week and seeing that goal kind of grow, whether it's a goal at the very beginning of starting a business was getting a new computer, and then it was getting a nicer printer. And then, you know, and as you kind of grow of learning, like wanting to hire somebody and like what that looks like and what we need to get to, to be able to do that. And, you know, now it's, retirement and things, you know, goals change (laughs) when you get older. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. And people think of budgets as restrictive, but in reality, they kind of give you permission to spend without feeling, you know, really guilty. So how have you used a budget to plan, prioritize, and not only set, but actualize your financial goals? Well, I would say that it's more like what I said about the goal setting. My husband and I, we sit down about once a year it's really funny. I mean, like there's plenty of years where you're like, okay, this is so great. This is like working out. And there are plenty of years where I mean, nothing that we write down works. <laughs> like not even like, it's like the opposite, but I think that it's sitting down and dreaming and goal setting and then taking it to paper and taking it to, you know, some sort of plan. And then we integrate that with, we need a budget and being able to take action steps. I can't stress that enough. Like being able to see like a goal being actualized as it's happening, it's really, really special. So even if it's not getting a new computer or whatever, it might be, you know, a really special vacation or something that means a lot to you. And for us, it's really made a difference by sitting down and like making time for it. So it doesn't just happen out of thin air because I will say there are plenty of months where we like completely forget to look at everything. And then we're going back through and like, what happened? here. Like we remodeled our kitchen over the summer and we were like, oh my gosh, we've eaten Chipotle 75 times this month. Like, you know, things like that. (laughs) When I look back, it's just Postmates, DoorDash. Like it's, that is all the charges on my credit card. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Like it needs to stop. Like I'm even using Instacart, which is obviously more expensive, but at least it doesn't have those impulse. Like, what is this like oh my organic honey that I yes. need or whatever yes. <laughs> it is? All right. Well, let's talk about your money mindset. So positivity is a huge part of what you teach and how you approach money in general. So how do you encourage people to maintain positivity when things might be going not so great? I feel like we have been there multiple times. I think we really try really hard to just have a mindset of just being grateful. I will say that there have been times where we've really needed the money. And so I do know what that feels like. My husband a couple of years ago went through cancer treatment. He is fine now, thank goodness. But that was like one of those things where you're, you know, you're not expecting a diagnosis like that and you aren't expecting those types of bills and that kind of thing to come through. So It's one of those things where you're like, man, I'm so grateful that we are able to move money around and figure out how to use the budget to help us and reallocate. So I think that's why I like budgeting so much is that it really does help you set up for success and then be able to say when your needs or your goals or whatever changes, you're able to flex. I feel like a budget for us is kind of like a living thing where it's constantly moving. It's constantly changing. 
Um, and there are some seasons where it's like, okay, everything has been moved from all areas that are not important into like a very important category, like medical. And so for us, it's just been one of those things where we have managed little and we've managed enough. And so I feel like being just grateful for what you have and putting a name to every dollar really does help and feeling like grateful for all of the dollars. <laughs> yeah. Especially when dollars. you need them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I think a medical emergency like that is so often one that can really just throw people off. Like I know oh, totally had like a random bike accident, but their hospital bills were so huge. It like completely set them back. So you never know. And even looking back at 2020, that really was, a, it was either a great year for some people or a horrible year for some people. And like, it was trying to figuring out that um, navigation of like, where do you dip into that emergency fund, um, if you will. So what are some of the roadblocks? You know, obviously we talked a lot about the medical one, but that you're noticing people encountering when it comes to money and their mindset and getting on a good path. Well, I would say just personally, like my own personal roadblock, because I feel like it's different for everybody, but maybe this could be also generalized. It's the fact that it's frustrating when you have to get over the fact that it will never be perfect. And I think that for a lot of us who like to, well, especially for me, I like to write something down, like work on the budget and then cross it off the list and be like, okay, well, I did it. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and it's never going to be quite right. Like we're never, we never nail it a hundred percent every month. We're always over in some area or another. And so it's one of those things that can be kind of frustrating if you don't go into it with a mindset of like, this is a living organism and it will forever be, and it will forever like change and ebb and flow. So there's that. And I think too, being aware that there's constantly going to be things that pop up that are not like an align item for you and not letting that be like, okay, well, now that that's already happened and we have no line item for that, or we have like something came out of the blue, whether it's, you know, a medical emergency or like a concert that you wanted to go to something super fun. And you just like, well, I kind of blew my budget. So I'm not going to go back and figure it out. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's kind of one of those things where even I get into that trap where it's when we did our kitchen renovation, where I was like, well, I don't even want to look at it because I know we've eaten out three meals a day for the past two months. So kind of like giving yourself grace and getting back into it. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Knowing it's not going to be perfect is, is important. Also that things oftentimes like when you were saying the kitchen renovation, I, my assumption was that went way over budget for, you know, whatever reason. Cause oftentimes it's like those home projects, it's build up, build up, build up, but it's also totally. that you're, you're putting equity into your house for the longer term. And there's investment and in value there. It's not like you're again, going to 19 concerts in a month, which again, you do you, if that's like <laughs> where you want your money to go. But, um, no, I think that's so important. So let's talk about sharing a budget with your partner and specifically how to use YNAB with your partner, because I think this is such a great exercise, whether it's a business partner or a romantic partner. One of the most stressful parts about budgeting and managing money is doing it with someone else and being on the same page about it. So how do you and Ryan manage the budget together? And do you have any like routines or rituals that you have? A hundred percent. I think it can be so, so difficult and it can be scary. So I think all of those feelings are totally valid. Uh, for Ryan and I, uh, we actually enjoy budgeting. So we might be those weirdos who enjoy doing it. But once a year, like I said earlier, we do like a plan, like a life plan for the year of like goals. And they, we do not only like financial goals, but like 
fun goals of like, we want to do this vacation or we want to go here. We want to see this family member, these family members like travel or whatever. Obviously last year, none of those things happened. Anyways, we do that. And so that's kind of fun because we make it a whole weekend. We take the whole weekend. We go somewhere fun, fancy, drink wine and chat about our goals. So it's like, it gets us excited. And then we go home and like actually start doing like the line item budgeting. It makes it feel more special and less like, okay, we're really going to need new tires this year. (laughs) You know what I mean? So even though like, well, we did talk about that over appetizers and that was kind of fun. So like it ends up being like a thing. We also try to sit down once a month and just go through it. Ryan, it has a finance background. So he definitely really enjoys the budget. And I would say he takes, he takes like ownership of most of the reconciling and like all of that. But I am definitely there at least once a month going through and seeing like what's going on. But yeah, I would say that for us, it's mostly trying to have open communication, but starting, I think as a couple, uh, whether business partners, partners, husband, wife, whatever, I feel like it is so important to start small. So I think a lot of people might go in saying like, let's go in with like a full budget. Let's redo everything on both of our sides, our finances. And that can be so defeating. So if you are nervous about it, I think taking like small bites is super important. So even just to keep like a business partnership, just figuring each other out, you know? Yeah. So do you find that you guys are always on the same page or have you come into, you know, sort of situations where you're like, I really think we should spend on this and he doesn't think we should or something like that? No, we are not always on the same page. I would say for the most part we are. I'm definitely far more frugal than he is, even though he is a loves finance and is like kind of like a numbers nerd. He is more apt to like buy something large without telling me. Does that make sense? And I'm more apt to like never buy anything ever. (laughs) So like a large, large thing, not like going to Target, but you know what I mean? Like I desperately need a new computer and it's been doing the spinning wheel of death for the past two months. And Ryan's like, why have we not purchased a new computer for you? I'm like, come it's fine. You know, that kind of thing. He would have already purchased it. He would just go ahead and get it, which is probably the correct thing to do. So I would say we have like a limit of where we're like, okay, this is something we'll definitely need to talk about like a money, like a, a number limit. Like if it's over a certain amount, we try to have a conversation before someone just pulls the card out. But for the most part, I feel like we're pretty much on the same page especially because we try really hard to be on the same page. It doesn't just happen like in a vacuum for sure. We spend the time to get on the same page about it, which sometimes is like a harder conversation, but I would say for the most part we're on, we're fairly like, but it's because we talk about it. (laughs) No, for sure. I mean, I'm the same way with my computer. It was like the spinning wheel of death. I'm like, I just got this computer. It's brand new. And my husband's like, check when you got it. It's like 2015. This isn't new. (laughs) But, but I, I did get a new computer and it was worth the investment. So Good. now I'm upgraded. We're doing it. So is there any specific questions you think, um, whether it's a business partner or a romantic partner, you should bring to the table and ask when you're going through these sessions? Well, I think for both a romantic partner and a business partner, just talking about what your dreams are, what your goals are, because you know what? They're different. Like, and that's what's so interesting. Like, even if you're aligned on a lot of things, Um, we're all so different. And even for Ryan and I, like 
I think more short-term than he does. And he is much more of a long-term thinker. So for him, it's like, he's always thinking about retirement. He's always thinking about all those things. And I'm thinking, well, okay, but next year I want to do this. You know what I mean? So, um, I think like knowing that like what's in his heart is like, long-term and then him knowing what's in mind, like is maybe short, short-term, we try to kind of beat in the middle, even business partner wise, like where the other person wants to take the business is like really important. And maybe figuring out if you guys are on the same page or if you're on different pages and how to get maybe in the middle page. And I also think those are really important conversations to have just in general with business partner or romantic partner of for sure where you want to go with this, <laughs> whatever yeah. this is. And you sold your stationary business. I'm sure that was a huge decision. Did you guys work through that together or how did that sort of come about? Yes. So that was one of those things where it was like, man, we both kind of felt it like that it was time to let it go and close down that side of the business. And that was tough for sure. But financially, it made a lot of sense. And honestly, when we kind of sat down of like, where I saw the gift industry going, the particular industry that we were in, I kind of wasn't super jazzed with like the direction it was going in, especially like for my specific product. If if that makes sense, there was burnout there, like a serious burnout. I'm not as much of a big picture thinker as he is. He would say, well, big picture, is this what you want to be doing for forever? And I kept like, I couldn't visualize myself doing it for forever, but the thing I loved and I couldn't give up was the blog. And so it was kind of like, we can continue to kill ourselves and you are like completely burnt out or we can shut this down and this will be tough and kind of move in a direction where you feel the most confident and like the most led. So that was definitely like one of those conversations of big picture versus like, well, this is due next week. Like, you know what I mean? Kind of a thing. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of it that people don't necessarily talk about where you're like, there's a, so there's an emotional implication and a lifestyle implication to maybe where certain money is coming from. And do you have the budget and the runway to be able to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to quit my full-time job for a lot of people that are listening and start my business, or I'm going to get rid of that side of the business. Like, that's a huge decision too. But if you have your budget in place, you can make those decisions. I'm assuming more confidently. Yes, totally. I think like sometimes when you're making an emotional decision, well, a decision that feels very emotional, having some facts to back it up is so helpful. And so a budget really does kind of show you where you can sit down and look at things and go like, okay, this actually does make a lot of sense. Instead of just being like, well, I don't know, this is going to really hurt my heart. Like, you know, (laughs) as we do this even though it's the right thing to do, whatever it is. Yeah, even if it's hard, it's oftentimes the right thing to do. But let's talk a little bit more about advice. So obviously you guys use YNAB as your platform of choice when it comes to budgeting. So is there a reason that this method and platform has worked so well for you guys? I like it so much. For There's so many reasons why I like it. I think one is that it's incredibly user-friendly. Um, the mobile app is so great. It's so reminiscent of like the envelopes and the gift jar to me, like being able to you get the money and you allocate it. it feels like a lot like how I did it when I was a child. Um, so it makes sense. I also love that there's not only like, are there great resources online, but their YouTube channel, like if you are like considering doing it, their YouTube channel is awesome. Like it's actually spectacular. Um, it's engaging. It's really, really helpful. And it's just one of those budgeting systems where you don't feel like a loser, you know, like sometimes you'll do it and you're like, gosh, this is really hard. Like, I don't feel like YNAB has ever been um, one of those companies we've worked with or like a, a program where you're not 
there's just a lot of grace there as you're working through it. There's lots of answers. And even like all of the resources online are so encouraging and they're like, don't worry about it. Let's just start small. Like if that makes sense. So, Cause it can be yeah, so overwhelming. Like approachable finance, I think is so important. Totally. I think it's really just for so long been something that's intimidating or if you don't have a background in it or if you didn't grow up doing the envelope game or have a mom yeah. that was an accountant, which I you know, was lucky to have, you know, it can feel so intimidating. So I like that the, the approach for YNAB is so approachable and it's like, it feels like you're talking to a friend versus like going into a big scary like bank or something like that. What are some different and, and maybe even like creative money saving strategies that have helped you budget for future goals? One of the biggest ones, and I think that it's like kind of silly, but if you can look at your budget and this is like really helpful when you do have a budget to be able to sit down and go like, oh, okay. Um, it would be reoccurring costs. I so often am like, you know, like I want to watch the new show, uh, you know, that's on Hulu. Well, I didn't have Hulu last month. So I went ahead and signed up for it because I got to watch the new show that came out that I want to see. And then I never unsubscribe. I never like, you know, I'm done and I don't really watch anything on Hulu anymore. So I, or like Netflix, whatever it is, I'm not throwing Hulu under the bus. I love Hulu, but the Oscars were this past weekend and I signed up for YouTube TV and then immediately canceled my subscription. <laughs> but I was like, it's bad. But I'm like, if I didn't do it that night, I no. would have been like $75 totally. a month for the rest of my life. Totally. <laughs> we realized this past summer that we had three Instacart accounts. And I'm like, how? Because I have three different emails and somehow I had signed up three different times, like in a hurry, like just trying to get groceries. And you know, like that stuff adds up and you can realize, or like I was using a workout app for a year that I loved and I ended up changing workout apps, but I've been paying for this app for over a year, <laughs> like a hundred bucks. So it's just so funny, like to be able to find, I used to say like go fishing for money because you can go, like you can look at your budget and go like, Oh, well, I just saved myself. Like $400 a year and like putting, like knowing you can like allocate that to a trip or for savings or whatever you want to do. Like, so I would say looking at your reoccurring costs because you will be so shocked by how many apps you have that you don't use that are $2 a month. Like, I mean, even it sounds silly, but like, it's really kind of impressive. Go fishing for money. I love that Go fishing. so much. I love that. It's like it's looking at the couches, like, you know, pulling the totally. couch. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's like, I, there was like this meme that was like, it's canceling a free trial. It has to be a billion dollar industry. <laughs> and I was like, it's so true. We're so all true. suckers. That being said, what other things have you found are unnecessary costs that you've caught along the way? And how do you recommend people to cut those? First, that would be like the number one thing is just kind of looking at your uh, reoccurring costs. And then maybe just trying to curb the impulse purchases. That's the toughest one. I will say I have a harder time impulse purchasing in person, but I do not have as much of a harder time doing it online. If they already have my credit card number, it just like doesn't feel like as transactional. Does that make sense? Totally. Like, totally. It's like, I can just push the buy now. And if I'm like at Target, I will often like do the thing where I walk around and put everything in my cart and then take it all back. And then like, you know, check out with just a couple things. Cause then I feel bad about it but not online. Online, I'll just add it in. So I think it's kind of having that gut check of impulse purchasing uh, is really helpful because you won't realize like how, how that does add up. For sure. That's such great advice. So let's end with some sentence finishers. Are you yes. ready? Okay. Yes, I'm ready. The best piece of financial advice I ever received 
sleep on it. Mm, that's a good one. All right, take a week and go back to the envelope. Yes. Um, <laughs> our, our number one tip to get your finances in check is? Just start and feel free to let it get messy. Like start, just start. Yeah. The worst financial decision I ever made was? Oh gosh. We, in a very busy season of life, got a new website. We're few websites out from it, thank goodness, but paid this company to do it. And we did not research very well. And it was a disaster and it took a while for us to recover from it. So do your research again, sleep on it. We made a very quick decision because we were desperate and I so wish we wouldn't have done that. We think about it all the time. Oh God. It haunts us. Horrible. (laughs) Um, And the best financial decision I ever made was Uh, definitely our house, but I will say not just, I know like a house feels very like generic, but we have this little house and we love it. But when we did our, we redid our backyard a couple of years ago, my husband did a DIY and we redid it. And I feel like the money that we poured into the backyard, it started to trigger something in us. Like this money we're spending is actually going to make us money. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, So not only the house, I think like investing in the assets that accrue income like or accrue yeah yeah definitely uh investing in those I think real estate's a great investment I mean LA California is insane right now but even for the short term or the long term I think that's really important as well well thank you so much Ashley for joining us and if you guys want to try you need a budget for 34 days you can do so no credit card required so you don't have to go in and cancel it you could actually get a a true free trial at www.youneedabudget.com Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me, Jacqueline. This is so fun. For more inspiring conversations like this one, subscribe to Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Work Party.